This is our first time in Africa and we are really excited to share with you all our experiences from Egypt. There are so many things that we had no clue about and we are excited to share with you everything we've learned. Welcome back to Finding Gina Marie, where we share our lives as full-time travelers and the connections we make along the way. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Judy. And I'm Kevin. Like so many other people, seeing the pyramids and the Sphinx have been on our bucket list forever. I was a little uncomfortable going to Egypt because it was someplace I didn't know about. It was very different from Europe. And I have to admit, I had some anxiety. We also didn't really have a lot of time to prepare for this trip. So there was a lot we didn't know. We started off by just asking people who had been to Egypt some of their best advice. And we have learned so much in these first two weeks that we spent in Egypt. So here we are on a rooftop patio in Cairo, bringing you all the do's and don'ts that we've learned over the past couple of weeks. This is the first of several episodes from Africa. So if you haven't already subscribed, you'll want to do that now so you don't miss any future episodes. We're going to break this down into don'ts and then do's. So let's let you start off with the don'ts. Don't waste your money and get an e-visa in advance of arriving. It is super easy to get a visa on arrival and it's much cheaper as well. Yeah, a lot of the online services will say they're gonna save you time and effort, but we really didn't spend that much time and effort. So as soon as we get off the plane, we followed the signs to visas and passport control, looked around a little bit, got a little confused because it said visas and banks, and we didn't know which window was which. I was a little bit afraid that maybe they were going to sell me an e-visa, but they were there to really just give you a straight up visa. The banks are handling the money, so they're also giving out the visa stamps. And they look just like tellers in a regular bank. The thing is, they want cash. Uh, they do offer to take a credit card, but we watched a couple ahead of us use a credit card. It took a lot longer. There was some fussing back and forth. There's more confusion, just take cash. It's not that expensive. Right, it's $25 per person. And you also don't have to be at the mercy of a machine that doesn't work <laughs> or there's no ATM. So if you actually have to get money, you're kind of out of luck. So at the visa spot, the bank, they just basically wanted our money. They gave us the sticker to go ahead and take over to passport control. And that was it. Nothing else. No must, no fuss. When you fill out an e-visa form, they actually want to know how long you're staying and a whole bunch of information that you have to upload. But really, the bank just wanted your cash. And then once you get that sticker, you walk a few feet over to passport control, where then they go through and look at your passport, ask you how long you're staying. Then they take that sticker, peel it off, put it on a blank page, stamp it, and you're on your way. We really didn't get much else in either spot. It was very easy to get through. I think that you can probably put the sticker on yourself, but I didn't want to mess no, with it. And I wasn't going to pull stuff like that. <laughs> yes, sir. Whatever you want, sir. Take my sticker. Take my passport. So one of the big don'ts is don't get taken advantage of at the airport for transportation to your hotel or Airbnb. When we arrived at baggage claim, there was a man who came up to us and maybe we were a little bit flustered because my bag hadn't come out right away. And he had a Ministry of Tourism badge on him and there was a booth right behind him with the same name. I wasn't expecting somebody at the luggage belt. So I was a little bit flustered and I felt like maybe he took advantage of that. We thought outside we're going to get overrun by taxis and people trying to help us and all the rest. So we were not prepared for this and all we wanted to do was get our luggage. Now, 
problem was I had my bag already. It came out really quick and Judy's was nowhere to be seen and you could see that we were gonna have to wait a few minutes. And normally we prefer not to have to check our bag, but we didn't have a choice on this airline. So everything was just a little bit out of sorts. And he could tell that we were anxious and looking for things. And he used that to his advantage and kind of engaged us in the conversation and really started asking us a lot of questions. And then Judy was left alone with him because I had to go around the other side of the belt. So it was not the ideal situation and we weren't thinking very clearly. It's important to know that Cairo has Uber and you definitely want to take it if you can. Uh, an Uber ride, even though we were going 45 minutes, was only going to be $7. And that's like 150 to 200 Egyptian pounds. And if you want to give them a tip of something like 30 Egyptian pounds, which is a good tip on Uber, that equals about a dollar. So you're really not hurting when you pay for the Uber rides. And even if we would have arranged a private car, it would have cost less than what this person was charging. And honestly, it felt uncomfortable, but I'm too nice and I didn't speak up for myself. And so that is a lesson learned that please speak up for yourself. And one of the tips that someone had given to me, my dear friend, Martin, who uh, suggested that just say that you are going to the La Meridian Hotel, which is attached to the Cairo airport. So therefore, you don't need any transportation. And Uber does not have, need you to have cash. You know, you're paying for that through the app. So if you're a little short on Egyptian cash, you're in good shape with Uber. Now, we're saying use Uber because you don't want to drive in Egypt, especially in Cairo and Giza. It is chaos out there on the streets, and I can't believe that Uber is charging as little as they are. An hour ride was filled with so much drama on the streets. On the highway, there isn't necessarily any lanes, any signals. Uh, definitely when you get off of the highway, people are merging into traffic everywhere. Tuk-tuks can't really be seen behind cars, so they're pretty dangerous. You've got motorcycles threading in and out, and when you're off the highway, you also have pedestrians uh, crossing major highways and just walking through traffic, um, panhandling. <laughs> uh, the chaos is unreal, and you definitely do not attempt to drive through it all. There is a language that they speak with their cars and their trucks and their buses. They have horns going all the time, but they're like da da da, or they're a little, little noticeable. I'm, I'm right next to you. You're, you're within inches of hitting my car. Their cars are squeezing in between each other. I mean, I don't know how they do it. I would never drive here. Recommend not driving here. Just use the Ubers, use the taxis, be safe. I don't even recommend not. I'm saying absolutely don't even oh. think about renting a car. Next on our don't list, don't be afraid to try street food. There's plenty of small little vendors that are all over the place and it's safe and there's a lot of really tasty food one of the things you want to watch out for is that there is somebody actually cooking your meal fresh and remember you're paying for this food with egyptian pounds which are like you know one dollar equals 30 egyptian pounds so even if you bought something and you really don't like it you're not losing a lot of money be courageous experiment try the different foods there's so much flavor out there don't let language barriers get in the way of having a rich experience. At vendors for food, I pointed. I found something that somebody else was eating and I said, I want some of that. <laughs> People are kind and they really want to help you. In fact, one time you said, I want what they're having. And it was turned out to be a full table full and they kept adding more to their tables. Like, no, no, don't add any more to our table. And especially if you're at a restaurant, you know, most of the menus have pictures or something you can point to. You can also use Google 
translate and it will be able to take a photo of something and then give you some of the English words um, from the Arabic to make it a little bit easier for you to make a guess. The other option is you can just trust your waiter and, and just try something new. <laughs> we did that once and we had a great experience. It was delicious. And just be flexible. Be patient with the language situation. If you're having trouble paying, you know, sometimes you hold up a certain bill and they'll hold up a bill and they'll show you, no, it's this bill. Uh, they might hold a calculator up and show you the numbers on that. You know, there's a lot of ways around this. Just take it slow and you'll work through it. And remember, you are a guest in their country and they are not expected to know English. So if you get the wrong thing, it's not the end of the world. It's an adventure. But they are happy to have tourists. So they will try really hard to satisfy you. So we don't recommend that you book the same guide for your entire trip. You know, your itinerary might be very flexible. There's different reasons for different guides for different areas. It helps if you know what kind of a traveler you are. We, for instance, really like a lot of information thrown at us. We want to learn as much as possible. But some people really just want a skip the lines tour. We've found that you can get yourself into trouble if you book someone for the whole time. And when you meet them, they really aren't the kind of guide um, or their English is hard to understand. So unless someone has made a recommendation and you really trust that person, uh, keep your itinerary flexible and don't overcommit to your entire trip at once. Yeah, your first guide will certainly offer you some options if they have other services they can offer, other places they can show you. And, you know, think about that. But research is important. You did a ton of research and it worked out well for us. Sometimes I go to TripAdvisor and to Viator and also to Get Your Guide. There's a company called With Locals. And also sometimes what I've done is to look at TripAdvisor and then see the actual local company and book directly with them and avoid the additional third-party charges. But do make sure that you tip your guide, tip the driver. There's typically both of them on your private tours or even your small group tours and they don't make a lot of money and they really do depend on tips. Yeah, and remember when you're looking at the money, Egyptian pounds, it seems weird to throw a hundred pounds at somebody, but it really is very cheap and well worth it. So one of the things as you're looking at tours, don't fall for a lot of the extras that they throw in there. They're gonna take you on tours of places that may offer to sell you something. And the reason they're doing that is they may get a kickback from these places and that's fine. I mean, they should be earning all the money they can possibly earn, but you're getting put in a situation where they want you to spend more money. For instance, the carpet makers that we actually wanted to go to after the suggestion of one of our tour guides, we had no intention of buying anything there, but it we're, was still quite we're interesting. Travelers. We can't take a carpet with us anywhere unless we're flying on it. They didn't offer those. <laughs> And, and it was an interesting tour. It was a great company. Uh, the person that talked to us was very spiritual and we had a great encounter. It was actually a school. You know, we, we saw them teaching and how they, how they built the carpets and it really was a great part of the tour. One of, one of the standouts for me but you don't have to feel obligated to buy anything. Same with a papyrus tour and a perfumery tour. They're actually going to teach you things which are really helpful. But at the end, they're also going to try to sell you something. And you just don't have to accept that. Stand firm. <laughs> and beware of anything that is a free gift. I promise you, there is no such thing as a free gift here. They are, even if they tell you that it's free, they are going to want money. This is not a great economy for a lot of the people. They need all the cash they can get. This is just one of the ways 
that they try to add on to their income and it's good it's it's okay don't get upset by it but also you don't have to pay for it and if you want to by all means oh, yeah. do nobody's telling you not to buy just bear in mind that um nothing's free okay that's our list of don'ts let's get into the do's the first do is that you really should arrange to speak with a doctor about vaccinations that you need, any prescription medications that are going to help you with any kind of stomach problems. The food and water are different here. Your gut biome may not be accustomed to dealing with it. So take the extra time to make sure that you have taken all of taken care of all of that. It's not necessary to really worry about uh, yellow fever. This is not a dangerous area for something like that, but you really want to take care of your gut health. And give yourself enough time to do this. We were kind of in a crunch and we ended up having to do this in Rome and luckily got the right place. If you're interested to know how we got vaccinated and met with a travel doctor while we're traveling the globe outside of the U.S., check out our last video on how we got vaccinated in Rome. All right, one of the big do's is make sure you have cash. This is not the kind of place where you can pull out the credit card a lot and you want to get to an ATM as soon as you can, get Egyptian money, and then you're set to go and get a lot of Egyptian money out of the ATMs. My typical pull from an ATM was 2,000 Egyptian pounds and sometimes 3,000 Egyptian pounds because if you go to a restaurant, you might spend 1,000 Egyptian pounds or 1,100 Egyptian pounds, about 40 bucks. <laughs> on, a me on a really nice meal. Really nice meal. In a lot of cases, really, really cheap. You can get falafel on the street for four Egyptian pounds. So nothing. <laughs> yeah. Now when you go to these ATMs, a lot of them are really nice because they have a cover on the back. So you can kind of stand in front of it with some privacy. Uh, make sure you don't do the conversion if it asks you. Just do it in Egyptian pounds. Most of the U.S. banks will go ahead and convert it for you. The fees are minimal. And when I was taking money out, my bank was barely charging me anything, maybe a dollar, a dollar and a half for conversion. And I was getting $65 out of the bank each time on these wads of money that was taken away from the cash machine. I also felt very safe in front of the ATMs. This whole city has felt safe. So there was not a concern walking up to one of these. People stay back. They're not looking over your shoulder or anything. That seems like a very polite way to react when people are taking money out. We didn't know better, so when we arrived in Egypt in the evening, we didn't really make it a priority to get cash. So when we went to the coffee shop, which is a primary thing, first thing in the morning, they did not have a card reader that, and we needed to pay cash. Yeah, we tried to give them euros, and they didn't want that either. We kind of got spoiled by the airport where they would take American dollars, euros, kind of anything you had. And these shops aren't equipped for that. They have Egyptian pounds and that's what you pay in. And while we were at this coffee shop, I offered to let Kevin go and I would stand there and wait. But they insisted that Kevin and I both go together. They were like very understanding and polite, but I just tried to give us directions. To right. The, you know. But I just wouldn't recommend that you put yourself in that kind of a bind. But it just shows how kind they are and how willing they are to help you. Our directions only took us so far. So I approached a woman and asked if she spoke English. Fortunately, she did. She just pointed to where the ATM was and actually took us with her. Since she was going there anyway, she let us go first. And she was really not interested in any money or any kind of tip for it. So that was very sweet. We did make it back to the coffee shop, paid them. And that was a good experience too. Do wear sturdy shoes and watch where you're walking. There are sidewalks sometimes, but usually they're also high curbs. So you're stepping down into a drive and then stepping back up to, on, to a sidewalk. And the sidewalks might have broken tiles. 
Uh, you may have to walk out in the street. You may be on gravel. There's a lot of things going on. And if you're in the more uh, non-city areas, like we're living here near our Airbnb, then there's uh, maybe animal droppings and other things that you need to look out for. They still use some donkeys in our area to pull carts and they have bigger droppings than the dogs. <laughs> There's a ton of construction here. There are holes just in the middle of the street. You really wanna watch where you're going because you can get hurt if you're not careful. So another do is make sure you get bottled water. As Judy mentioned earlier, your stomach biomes aren't necessarily going to work well with the local water system. So we've been sticking to bottled water instead of pouring out of the tap. Make sure that the cap is unbroken. Somebody had given us some and the water definitely didn't look yeah, they, Great. they definitely filled this bottle with some tap water and we're like, yeah, no. They didn't necessarily pass it off as no. it was brand new water, but whatever it was, we didn't want to drink it. It's also recommended that when you brush your teeth, you should be rinsing it in a small amount of bottled water in a cup. Now, Kevin is playing fast and loose. He doesn't think that's necessary, but I think it makes sense to go that extra mile and avoid ice in your glasses as well. Just keep yourself safe. I'm not swallowing a lot of water when I'm brushing my teeth, so I didn't think that was a big problem. And I didn't get any ice in any of my drinks. I did get some fruit smoothies, which were delicious, and I had no problems, but somebody else got hit with the Pharaoh's Revenge one time, and I've been doing just fine, so you take that as you may. But that is also the advocacy to get uh, medicine before you leave so that you can treat that straight away. Yeah. You will need to tip if you ask someone directions. You will need to tip someone if they give you toilet paper outside a public toilet. Uh, you don't have to pay to use the toilet, but there's often no toilet paper there. And there is someone standing guard who is expecting you to pay for toilet paper. Even if you don't accept some, they're still looking for money. Now you'll know because the little hand comes out and just, you know, they're very subtle about it, but you know. Well, they've actually said pay. <laughs> oh, okay, well, for me, that'd be nice. <laughs> but when I've said I've had no money, normally he keeps the bulk of it. Uh, they've been very understanding. Someone may offer to take a picture for you. That's going to cost money. And in restaurants, it's very common to tip 10% of the bill. I was basically rounding up a lot to make our bills easier. So again, very few places are going to take credit cards. And the one time we actually tried to use it, he actually had to walk to a spot in the restaurant where the reader would connect to Wi-Fi. So it's easier with cash and tipping's easier. So basically, if it's like a $1,000 bill for your restaurant, again, about 40 bucks, you tip them 100 and that's good. You may see a service charge on your bill, but that money goes to the restaurant and not to your server. So tip the 10% or more on top of the total amount of the bill. And also make sure you tip your Uber driver. Like I said before, they're not making a whole lot of money off of these rides. You know, you take an hour ride and you're basically paying $7. That's just not a lot of money. A lot of our rides around town have been only about 30 to 40 Egyptian pounds. And really we're going good distances. So, yeah. Sometimes 20 minutes, but sometimes 40. Yeah, because you get into traffic and they're stuck in traffic. So you end up paying like a dollar for this Uber ride. I often have been paying 30 Egyptian pounds as a tip, even if the ride itself just costs 30. Also, if you are going to photograph someone, please ask them first and then tip them. And be careful with photography in general because people aren't comfortable with the camera being out. And you just want to be respectful. Definitely. Now this isn't a big problem for us, but if you are a light sleeper, do make sure you have earplugs because 
You may have heard during this recording, this city can get really loud. There's prayer announcements that go on five times a day. Beginning at 5 a.m. Yeah, so just make sure that you're comfortable with a noisy environment. Make sure that you can get some sleep the way you need to. We love it, but the city doesn't sleep. So there are restaurants open till four o'clock in the morning. You can expect hustle and bustle at all hours. Yeah, they start their day late and they end it very late. But for some reason, you can still get breakfast at 8 a.m. if you want to. You may already know that Ramadan is a period in Egypt where there is fasting, and that happens from sunup to sundown. But bear in mind that people are still cooking. They are still looking for tourism during Ramadan. In fact, our tour guide suggested that you please come. Just because that's a holy time for Muslims, there are all denominations that live in Egypt, and people even though they're not eating themselves between sunup and sundown, they have no problems cooking for everybody else. They still are looking for tourism. They still need to make money. So they would be delighted to have you come during that time. There's really nothing closed. There's nothing you're gonna miss out on during Ramadan. And our final do, do give yourself time to adjust to Cairo and Giza. It's well worth it. I know when I first got here, there was a lot of stress from the activity at the airport. Uh, it was a crazy ride to our Airbnb and I was feeling a little anxious and I was feeling like maybe we are in the wrong place. Maybe we shouldn't have come here. And I felt like, wow, what can we do to fix this situation? Can we go get a hotel or something? <laughs> and I'm so glad that Judy booked the space that she booked in Giza because it gave us a real look at uh, life for the average person in Egypt. And after a few days here, I felt so much better and I felt so blessed to have experienced it. We've met so many people that have been so kind and really, really give this place time. Give yourself time to adjust to the chaos. We stayed in Mohandasin, which is in Giza, but it is just a quick trip across the Nile to Cairo. It's noisy, there's a ton of energy, it's unfamiliar, there's language barriers, there's, um, it's hard to read the, the Arabic language. Um, it's easy to allow all of those things to overwhelm you, but really, as Kevin said, give it a little bit of time. Uh, we have felt so comfortable in just a few short days. It's made for just such an incredible experience for us. The food may be different from what you're used to. You may go to a restaurant and try to order some alcohol. They may not have any on the menu. You may have to choose different things. You may have to experiment and ask, what is this? And they may bring out a dish or point to something. Just take it slow, be open to what they have to offer because Every time I stretch myself, every time we stretch ourselves, we experience so much more and it really has made a difference. It may look a lot different from other places that you've been to, but that's the part of the reason that you are adventure seeking and exploring. So overall, Cairo and Giza are great places to visit. There's so much that they offer, there's so many things to see, so many new things to experience. And Egypt overall is a very safe country we have not felt unsafe at all here. So even though some people may have warned you that there's problems, it really is very safe. Felt much safer here than even other places. If you have a list of places that you wanna visit, make sure that you consider adding Egypt to it. It will not disappoint you. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. We have another episode from our time in Egypt and Giza, of things to expect when you come here and you're not gonna to wanna to miss it. And go to findingenuary.com to find out more information about our episodes and to check out Judy's journal, which talks a lot about what we're doing every day. Until next time. Until next time.